Alex Marlowe, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. On today's show, we open with all the details that we know about the July 4th Highland Park shooter. Many of these details are quite disturbing, and they don't neatly fit the media's preferred narratives as usual. I explain all that, and then I share some examples of the left openly attacking our founding fathers and the Constitution. Actually, I think it's about time that we got this level of clarity. We have an epic woke update today that features governments and corporations openly embracing sexual fetishism and depravity. And then we take a examination of this new look for corporate America and our governments that will have minimal consequences unless, of course, folks like you do something about it. Among other lowlights in the woke update, a Rhode Island state senator did some upside down twerking to raise awareness about her behind, I guess. Do you think it's a coincidence that we're elevating twerking Democrats while we're disparaging our founding fathers? No, no, it's not. We get into a slate of media and political stories as well in the opening of the broadcast before we speak with our guest, Amal Torres. She's got an incredible story. She's a really impressive young woman running for Congress in Maryland after having served her country in the Air Force and working in the intelligence community. She's also a Somali immigrant and has an amazing life story. And we get that background plus her political positions in a pretty great conversation. Let's get into it. get into some of the biggest stuff that's going on and yesterday the main debate took place online was are you sitting down about gun control Uh, a lot of gun control chatter throughout the day and why was there so much gun control chatter because the left of course never misses an opportunity to try to take more of your freedoms and more of your rights and the latest shooting at the parade over july 4th weekend um, was an opportunity for them to talk about that it's also something that the do you feel like they're on solid ground there it's something that the the left certainly wants um to have that conversation about whether or not we should take away certain guns or types of guns or styles of guns or people who can have guns they'd rather at least debate that where they feel like they're at a minimum on a neutral playing field than on things like inflation and gas prices which are the number one and two issues in this country because those issues um are ones where they don't really have good answers. They don't have good explanations for where things are going. I mean, the White House fundamentally won't even talk about the energy issues that are going on because the main fix to it, the easiest fix to it, goes directly against their core principles, which is you know drilling and trying to harvest America's own resources because those resources aren't necessarily the new technologies of wind and solar even though some of the oldest technologies around, but we we refer to them as new technologies because we are in a Orwellian world. Uh, and that is that is a reality that we are uh, forced to deal with on a regular basis. So uh, just to update you on some of the stuff that we've been learning, which is quite a bit, we've learned quite a bit over the last day or so about this scenario. And in that scenario, we've learned that there were plenty of laws that were already on the books in the Illinois neighborhood where the latest mass shooting took place. It was a left-wing solid area where Democrats had controlled the area. Of course, the state of Illinois is run by a Democrat 
a governor as it has been for uh, as long as we can remember. And none of that ended up working out. None of that ended up having uh, the one iota of difference in terms of stopping this mass shooting. And perhaps even more interesting was this individual should have been on the radar of law enforcement. In 2019, police confiscated numerous knives and a sword from the uh, the suspect who's been arrested after he told a family member he was going to kill everyone and then no further action was taken by police. Um, and as noted, he had some social media postings that appear to depict a cartoon of a mass shooting with cops eventually killing the mass shooter and him lying in a pool of cartoon blood. So that is um, uh, the, on the radar of law enforcement 2019 and still nothing happened. In fact, what did happen was he was legally able to obtain a gun. So gun legally obtained. This was a, don't take our word for it, a Breitbart. It was uh, reported by the mayor herself, uh, Nancy Rotering of Highland Park on NBC's Today Show, legally obtained. And she notes this because she feels like this means we need more severe laws, but this is also a bit of a Rorschach test because a lot of people right of center, uh, those in this audience, for example, will probably see it as, well, then what's the point of these laws that don't do anything? Because so often the uh, you're able to get the guns legally, like, I don't know, the Parkland shooting, uh, the Las Vegas attacker in 2017, uh, so many people, the Alexandria shooting in 2017, so many times the worst shootings, Fort Hood, uh, the Santa Barbara attacker in 2014. We always have a list going. Gabby Giffords in 2011. Uh, we always keep a list going at Breitbart News of uh, all the examples and just shows you that the gun control laws mostly service uh, the idea of getting uh, satisfying people's egos, satisfying uh, people's ability to express outrage and emotion in the public, and they're not actually designed to help all that much. They allow for you to go on CNN, act very uh, jacked up, and for Anderson Cooper to do a squinty eyes thing at you that makes it look like he's thinking about something smart when he's obviously not. And that's what happens. In fact, that's specifically what happens with Democrat Senator Chris Murphy, who was saying Illinois' red flag laws could have stopped the shooting, um, but it's a, a, a but but they're not good enough. Illinois has red flag laws, but apparently they weren't good enough. Um, uh, yeah, apparently they weren't good enough. So the suspect was able to obtain an FOID card, Illinois Firearm Owner Identification which he got in 2020, which is after after he became known to law enforcement in 2019 for having guns confiscated from his house. Do you guys see why we don't like gun control in this country? Or so many of us don't. 2019, knives and swords confiscated from his house. 2020, he made, he's able to obtain one of these cards that uh, lets him get a gun legally. So what's the point of these things? This is Illinois. They could do all the gun controls that they can, whatever the constitution allows, they can try to implement it. And he was able to buy multiple rifles, multiple pistols and a possible shotgun. And then now they're doing these things where they're changing the rhetoric. So we're not just talking about AR-15, we're talking about AR-15 style guns, high powered rifle. That's another one that we're seeing a lot, whatever that means. Similar to an AR, they just have certain features that they can they can suggest to make things seem very scary. 
other than the main feature here, which is that we have a lot of guns in our society. We have a second amendment in our society. And there are a lot of crazy people in our society, and we're not doing a very good job in identifying who those are, making sure they don't have guns, and making sure they're known to law enforcement, and making sure people have a vague idea of where they are on uh, holidays where a lot of people are gathering in their area. So I'm not saying that's an easy answer, but something we would like to answer eventually. Highland Park Mayor Rodering blamed gun culture after the assault weapons ban that they have in their city uh, stop uh, they failed to stop this so they do have a quote-unquote assault weapons ban that was in place since 2013 in this city where she's been the mayor the whole time but not a good enough assault weapons ban so that's the problem is that we need to deal with reality and reality's terms here and reality's terms i would say suggest that the so long as there are hundreds of millions of guns in the country and there is a second amendment then uh, we are going to have to figure out other methods other than whining on cable news and oh i'm sorry and on morning tv on network news to try to solve these problems we would all would like to solve them uh lake county is a, which is i believe the county where highland park is in right that would be very um be very very silly if this was how we frame this at bright part if um not the case, um, but le- uh, the let's see. Let me, let me. I'm gonna double check this. I'm gonna double check this right now because I don't want to sound like a total moron if it's true. Lake County, yeah, I believe this is right. This is just north of Chicago. Adds up. So Lake County, which is uh, the area where uh, Highland Park is in, their state attorney, a guy named Eric Reinhardt, um, who announced the charges has pushed for gun control that already exists in Illinois. Does this make you all feel like the left is very silly here? I mean, none of us want these things to happen. And I'll tell you, you know who probably likes these things the least other than those who are directly affected, meaning the victims, the victims' families? Probably the people who are the real gun enthusiasts because they know that it makes them look bad and they have to deal with this. And I'm sure they would love for these things to stop happening. So uh, we all would like to figure out ways for this to stop happening, but we have to work considering the framework of our Constitution and the fact that there are hundreds of millions of guns that are already here that people can get if you are so inclined to get them. And if you are so inclined to shoot up a parade, you're probably inclined to get them illegally, legally or, or legally, legally or illegally. Either way, you're going to get them. So can we deal with that and then move on from there? I was kicked out of a synagogue a month ago it just makes you think that he should have been known to people and he still got the guns and he still was able to use them pretty much unencumbered for a while. Terrible, terrible. Uh, So what we're seeing now is something that I think is also inevitable, which is we're seeing some attacks on the founding father, some dishonest attacks on them and the constitution itself. Illinois governor J.B. Pritzker, who is Democrat, Said the founding fathers would not have supported a constitutional right to an assault, a constitutional right to an assault weapon. So he says flat out, channeling Washington, Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, they wouldn't have liked a assault weapon. So of course, the definition of that came is uh, was written by Democrats twenty years ago. But hey, I'm sure that uh, Jefferson and Washington would have disagreed. Um, it's just something that is very, you can only say this stuff when you know the media won't 
hold you accountable. We had cannons then. Of course, we had rifles. We had this thing called grape shot. You guys should look up what that is. Really scary. I, I just don't see any evidence to suggest that's the case, that that would have been the case. But you say it because if you're a Democrat, you just get away with it. No one really cares. An MSNBC guest and Georgetown law professor, someone named Rosa Brooks, said on Joy Reid's show called The Readout that uh, the we are slaves to an ancient constitution that's causing tragedies. I love this stuff because it clarifies uh, it, it clarifies what we all suspect the Democrats believe, that their main beef isn't even with guns, it's with the Constitution itself that allows for the guns to be legal. Joy Reid asks, what do you make of the sense that we are now essentially live, uh, uh, we essentially now live at the mercy of whoever can go into a store and buy an AR-15 decide to shoot whoever's available, even though I don't think this gun was an AR-15. So who cares though? Again, left to center, so it doesn't make a difference. And then the Professor Brooks says, I was thinking, boy, those sound like the sounds you hear in war zones. And there are people all over the world who have lived during armed conflicts. And when does the mortar fall on your house? When does the soldier or the tank come down the street and just kill you? We are now living in that world too, and we have brought it on ourselves. We can't say, oops, it's the Russians' fault. They shouldn't have invaded us. Wow, the Russian obsession is so crazy. Do you think she's been to a lot of war zones, Georgetown professor Rosa Brooks? Got to look that up. I'm, I'm willing to go out on a limb and guess not, but if I'm wrong, I will correct myself. MSNBC guest added, this is us. This is 100% us, and it's because we essentially are a slave to a document that was written more than 230 years ago by a tiny group of white slave-owning men, and we cannot break out of the bondage that we have imposed on ourselves from feeling like we have to. Everything by our Supreme Court is decided in reference to this ancient document, which is just not serving us well. It is causing enormous problems, enormous tragedies at this point. I would like for them to point to which other countries found any documents they love more than, than this. You ever notice how that's never done? Which country did create a, uh, a founding myth better than America's? Founding documents better than America's? And despite the slave-owning white male nature of our founders, or at least most of them, uh, it, it, aside from that, like, what is the main beef with them relative to other founders of other countries? There are other countries that did it better. They never supply any of that. So they just don't like this country. And I'm glad when they say things that make it clear they don't like this country. They don't like how we were founded. They don't like what we stand for. They don't like the unique set of values that were uh, given to us. But they don't have a real alternative. Their alternative is whatever the woke left on MSNBC wants to do right now. The 2022 values of the woke Democrat Party, that should replace our founding principles. Now, I'll tell you, uh, I'm guessing Professor Brooks is not a religious person, just a guess. And I'll tell you why. Because religious people have to think about this stuff. Because unless all of us just create our own religion, then uh, if we, all, we could all create our own religion and all just be chaos. Uh, I, I will tell you as someone who is a Catholic, there's a lot of problems with the Catholic Church, Catholic doctrine, and the way the church conducts itself. So what should be the alternative for me? That I just create my own religion because I'm too good for any religions available to me. Ultimately, we've got to pick a set of values and try to stick to it. 
Because if you just wing it on our own, the slippery slope kicks in. So are we with the founders or are we not? And this should be something we all decide. And if the answer is we're not with them anymore, then what are we going to do about it? What values are we going to replace it with? And how are we going to get everyone on board with it? And if you're not prepared to do that, then you got to make your peace with that we do have a set of values in this country and a set of laws, and we should live by them. We should give it our, our best try with those in place. And if you can build a consensus, you can tweak them. But without a consensus, then you're not going to be able to do much other than whine. Seems pretty logical, but again, we're not in a logical moment. We're in an emotional moment. And raging at the Constitution is very satisfying to some people. New Jersey Democrat Governor Phil Murphy signs a gun safety package, which requires a database of all ammo sold in the state. This is how they backdoor gun control. Don't ban the guns, but again, get you registered in some database if you want ammo. Philadelphia Democrat Mayor Jim Kenney suggests only police should have guns. Uh, this is exactly why the Second Amendment's in place, so that only law enforcement is not, the, they're not the only ones that can have guns, the government. Democrat Representative Mondaire Jones of New York, one of the furthest left-wing people in probably the history of the Congress, said that if Democrats get two more Senate seats, we're ditching filibuster to pass gun control. Again, I love when they say this stuff out loud. They're not supposed to be this open about it. Any of you who are on the fence about voting for Republicans. And this even includes the bizarre, the, the bizarre Dr. Oz race. John Fetterman, who's going up against Dr. Oz, calling to abolish the filibuster to pass gun control. He's in on it. This is why I say step one is you can't vote for Democrats. No doubt about that one. Interesting coincidence that New York City Mayor Eric Adams had an aide who was mugged at gunpoint on Tuesday in Brooklyn according to several reports. So a lot of crime in New York and a lot of people not super happy about the way that uh, the cleanup has gone in New York City under Mayor Adams. And uh, then he has an A that gets robbed at gunpoint. It doesn't sound fun. I've not been to New York since pandemic. I used to go six or eight times a year and I've not been, been two and a half years. And I miss it a little bit, but I miss the idea of it more than I miss actually going there. Very filthy, crime-ridden, very expensive, very left-wing, very locked down. Doesn't sound super good to me. All right, 866-95-PATRIOT. That is that one. And let's get into a, a handful of other items. I, I guess maybe something that, that I was most excited about was this poll suggesting that Americans are really turning on the establishment media more than ever. And I think that this is something that is very welcome to me. Um, that their approval rating is just in the absolute toilet. Survey that's showing that trust in American media has sunk to an all-time low in terms of disapproval. This is in the Gallup poll, the oldest poll around. Only 11% of a great deal or quite a bit of confidence in the establishment media dropping five points since last year. As somebody wrote a book about how bad the media is, in fact, how broken it is, that's heartening to see that even it dropped a third from what it was. I don't think it has done, uh, I don't think the media has done itself any favors during the Biden years. Ignoring the main scandals, uh, focusing much more on grievances with Trump from yesteryear 
to the things that are actually affecting Americans at the kitchen table. The continuing to give a pass to Hunter Biden, the elevation of absurd testimony in these January the 6th hearings that amount to nothing, pure hearsay, contradicted by key people, all that stuff. Uh, None of this helps. And we're seeing a drop even amongst Democrats who are now down um, to 20% strong approval from 26. Only 8% of independents trust the media, down five points from 13 the previous year. And Republicans' confidence in the media actually increased two points from 6 to 8%. So they'd already hit rock bottom, I guess. Maybe Republicans feel like they're, uh, they can get enough information from the bright parts of the world. Maybe that's where that's from. But of course, you know, the White House doesn't care. In fact, they like it, if anything, because it allows for them to sow disinformation, stay in their agenda. The White House has refused to address any, uh, uh, to address the allegations, uh, or I guess the alleged phone call voicemail that Joe Biden left their son Hunter that I played in the show a while back that was about a New York Times report regarding their business dealings with China that seems to suggest New York Times is going to report on some stuff, but Joe suggested they were all good. And Joe left my voicemail. And this was back in 2018. I played this on the broadcast at the time. And the media has been wanting answers for it, and the White House just flat out says it's not happening. They will not answer it. I noted yesterday that this is starting to frustrate some members of the media, but not enough where anything big is going to happen. It's just not. They're going to have to ride it out with them uh, because they made their bed. Now they got to sleep in it. There seems uh, to be some frustration brewing in the press. CNN had a headline about how Democrats are wondering whether the Biden White House is capable of the urgency this moment demands, particularly with regard to the Supreme Court. So claiming that they have inside sources in the White House who are exhausted from feeling like they're always on red alert and they can't respond adequately. Um, CNN's boss, a guy named David Zaslav, who took over Warner Brothers Discovery, says that CNN is going to move towards journalism first in a new mandate. It is, I guess I should have told you all the focus on the road, those of you who are in the car, for announcing that. CNN is moving to journalism first. This was at the Sun Valley invite only, almost no press allowed conference of the most powerful people in the establishment of American corporations that took place um, that we track at Breitbart to a degree, though there's almost no media access to this as your future gets planned by the aristocracy, the oligarchy that we live in. There are a few reporters there, and he suggested that CNN is moving to journalism first. Uh, how are they going to do it? He's been in charge for a while now, and they're not no heads are rolling other than Chris Cuomo's. So there, uh, he says, America needs a news network where everyone can come and be heard, Republicans and Democrats. I think you're seeing more of that on CNN. I think it's the greatest news brand in the world with the greatest journalists, and we're going to lean into that. We're not going to look at the ratings. In the long run, it's going to be worth more. Wow. Well, look at the ratings. Good luck. Let's hope it works. Let's hope he's not lying straight to our face and or, and or has no plan how to deal with any of this. One interesting media thing that I'm curious, your take in the audience, is Joe Rogan said he won't have Donald Trump on his show because he doesn't want to help him. 
And I, I it's interesting. Rogan's free to do whatever he wants. I'm not a Rogan super fan or think he's got some sort of clear set of first principles that we all should abide by or anything like that. But I'm curious how we're moving into this moment where talking to interesting people is seen as an endorsement, even if you don't agree with a lot of the stuff these people do. And I find this somewhat scary as a interviewer who likes talking to people who I don't agree with on stuff. I don't like the idea that if someone comes on this show, for example, you guys see it as 100% endorsement. Um, there's, there's certainly some people I'm not interested in talking to, but for the most part, I'm interested in talking to most people. There's a lot fewer exceptions than you think of people who I would want to talk to. And I don't know if I like this where we're making up these rules all of a sudden where, hey, if I have this person on, then I'll be helping them so I can't have them on. That's going to really make us isolated, I think, and not necessarily in a positive way. In fact, I would go as far as saying in a negative way. All right, it is time for our woke update. Our woke update begins with more video. I mentioned on the show yesterday this insane pride parade that took place in July because remember, we can't have enough. There's not enough pride in June. We needed to have that extend in July. We need at least two to 13 months a year of pride. And we had the footage of the, all of this fetishism and a lot of leather and a lot of animal mass and a lot of really overweight and unattractive people that are pierced and face painted and wearing all these strange stuff to send sort of a message to the man. But actually the man sponsors them now. Marriott, Microsoft, BlackRock, Coca-Cola, they're all in on it. Um, but we had even more footage, and we noted from Kurt Sandulka, our reporter in London who captured all this, that actually the Metropolitan Police, the National Health Service, the Fire Brigade, and Armed Forces all sponsored this uh, fetish parade uh, in London. L- uh, ostensibly LGBTQIA plus ampersand pregnant man emoji extra L. Uh, that's what it's supposed to be about, but we know what it's about. It's about depravity and about trying to flex on the squares, which they're able to do because the corporations have gone along with it. And, you know, London Mayor Sadiq Khan has endorsed it, saying it's really important that anyone who's from the LGBT community should be able to take part in this parade. I'm wondering if any of you in the LGBT community find that some of these displays, if you saw the video, are not necessarily helpful overall and might uh, be a turnoff in a way. Might be too much. So, or those of you who work for any of these corporations, if any of you talk about it, if there's any pushback within Microsoft or um, BlackRock or Coca-Cola, then maybe this is not a great, great move. So, uh, just a thought. But uh, you'll uh, use to see it to believe it in the front page of Breitbart. Match.com is now providing over two dozen gender options, including polygender, neutrosis, and pangender. Neutrosis, that's a new one. Neutrois or neutrois? Neutrois. A non-binary gender, which is considered to be neutral or null gender. Ooh, a null gender. That's fascinating. Tell me more, please. University of Nebraska is hosting a drag show to fundraise for queer activism. So nice to see the state universities getting that. Where's Ben Sass on that one? Senator Ben Sass. He's supposed to be a uh, education guy. You weigh in on this one? 
I'm not saying he can control it, but I'm saying that are there supposed to be a lot of Republicans out there in Nebraska? So the school system is such a joke. Are, are we really just churning out so many unbelievably impressive people from our university system that we've run out of uh, productive stuff for everyone to do that now we can begin with our LGBTQA plus Set, ooh, wow, they have an LGBTQA plus center. They don't have the, the I in there or the two for two spirit. They don't have the extra L the bind put in there. But they're hosting three drag shows a year, including a mini drag show. Um, so they go with, have a show in the fall and the spring. And the proceeds are going to be used for students who are bi, lesbian, gay, trans, asexual, and to have for them to have a conference on queering. Pretty good. Uh, it is having a big effect. A Rhode Island State Senator uh, had a viral video online named Tierra Mack. She represents the 6th District. And are, are you sitting down? She's a Democrat. And she encouraged Rhode Islanders to vote for her by posting a video of herself twerking upside down in a bikini. She says this is a promised Senator thirst trap, which is a video or a image that's supposed to, I, I guess, arouse you sexually. And she's a self-described queer reproductive rights activist, likes the Green New Deal gun control, and she posted on TikTok on July 4th, her standing in her head and twerking. This stuff would be seen as an embarrassment, but we don't have our ability to be embarrassed as now, non-existent now. There's nothing embarrassing anymore. Uh, here's something that is, I guess, lightly positive. Grammy winner Macy Gray calls out the trans hysteria, saying surgery doesn't make you a woman. Yeah, no kidding. R&B singer. So that's refreshing. Just because you go and change your parts doesn't make you a woman. And she added that people shouldn't be called transphobic just because you don't agree. I will say this, and everybody's going to hate me, but as a woman, just because you go change your parts doesn't make you a woman. Pretty good stuff. Said that on Piers Morgan's show. I say that only to say something nice about Piers Morgan, which is not that easy to do. Not a lot of nice stuff to say about Piers Morgan. But uh, that was a good one to get that out of there. Um, funny trivia, when I was in middle school, one of my middle school classmates was the star in a Macy Gray video and she, uh, did, uh, they put huge hair extensions on her and then she did jump rope with her hair. And I thought that was something that must make you so unbelievably famous. You'll never have to work a day in your life. I don't think I understood how things work, but uh, in the seventh grade, if someone tells you you're in a Macy Gray music video. That's on MTV and stuff that must make you, you know, one of the coolest people on the planet, right? But uh, I wonder how long you can dine out on that. Probably only a couple years. And then you'll eventually have to move on with your life. Anyway, uh, Washington State School Board is teaching sex ed to nine-year-olds at a sex shop that she owns. School board member. The, the, oh, I'm sorry. The director. School board director in Washington State. She's going to host a sex education class uh, where she'll be teaching gender identity and sexual and anatomy for pleasure and reproduction to nine-year-olds at a sex shop that she owns. Um, oh, sex toys. This comes up. Talking about consent, personal boundaries, defining sex, why you may or may not engage in sexual activities, gender expression, gender identity, sexual orientation. 
while some people think of sex as only being, I wouldn't go on. <laughs> you guys get the picture. We're going insane. And we all need to, I think, move away from some of these places where they're lost, unfortunately. Unfortunately, I don't know if some of these places can be saved. Last one I'll bring up, the wife of Brittany Griner, who is a NBA player who's been detained in Russia, I think for marijuana, I think that was the main issue, or um, some sort of other pot-related charge. Um, but she's been detained, she's been there for a long time, 140 days, found drugs in her luggage, maybe other drugs. Detained in Moscow, supposedly on a drug charge, having a vape cartridge, cannabis oils in her luggage. The U.S. officials initially detained that she was, initially determined she was wrongfully detained, but Biden's made no progress in getting her back. And uh, her wife, Chanel, has taken to the media now to complain about Biden, suggesting that Biden has the power and he's not doing anything. We're expecting him to use his power to get it done, she told ESPN. And she said she's going to write him now because he's not being available. Um, and then her coach, or WNBA coach, noted that if this was LeBron, he'd be out by now, which is so true. Such a good dunk. Vanessa Nygaard suggested that Biden would have done something to help LeBron, which is so 100% correct. I think Reiner was an anthem kneeler. Kind of interesting. I'm sure she'd like to be back in the country now. And I hope she does get back. It's because uh, we disagree on politics doesn't mean Russia should be able to detain you uh, indefinitely just to cause annoyance to America. Oh, I forgot to mention, of course, the um, psycho killer was uh, dressed as a woman at the parade in Illinois. Uh, Pretty good troll or perhaps pretty good disguise. Torres is an up-and-coming star, perhaps, in the Republican Party. She's running for Congress in Maryland, and hearing her background coming from Somalia as an immigrant, signing up with the Air Force, and having a pretty amazing backstory is interesting, but it's even more interesting to get her take on the political issues of the day and what she intends to do if she makes it to Washington. Give it a listen. Amal, you have an amazing story, and you're a Somali immigrant, you're a veteran of the Air Force, and now you're running for Congress, Amal4Congress.com, and Amal4Congress using the number four on Twitter. I would just love to hear a little bit about your background, tell me about yourself, and then I got a bunch of questions for you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, so, I, you know, I always remind myself that I wasn't lucky enough to be born in this amazing country. I fled with my family at a young age, the civil war in Somalia, and saw what real strife looks like and how much opportunity has been afforded in this wonderful country. So as a way to give it back, I joined the Air Force at, um, while in the middle of undergrad and served my country as an intelligence analyst. I got to do some really amazing things in defense of national security, especially during the precarious time of uh, counterterrorism. It was a little bit after 9-11. So there really was true hatred for this country and what everything, you know, Western values stand for. And it was an honor to represent this country in uniform with my life. And uh, 
I was in the DOD for another six years after that as a defense contractor and then as a government civilian. So I really got to see the insides of national security and what it means to stand up for everything this country stands for overseas and beyond. And then um, it was during the withdrawal from Afghanistan that, um, unfortunately, I did lose a friend of mine um, in the 13. Um, he was a psychological wow. operations soldier. So, yeah, that was very real. And, you know, I had to ask myself, can I continue to serve this administration, this apathetic Biden, Kamala, um, Pelosi administration, apolitically, as you have to as a federal um, government entity? So, um I reflected on that. I prayed on that, um, talked to my family and decided that I had to serve in a different capacity. So as a true fiscal conservative, as a culturally American person who's assimilated by choice, um, it's time to run and serve this country differently. So now I'm running for Congress and defense of the Constitution uh, yet again. Amazing. And there's so much in that I want to unpack. I, I want to go back to your Air Force service and you were uh, deployed, you had a wartime deployment. Uh, tell me about where you were stationed and, and I'm sure you can't give me too much insight, but a little <laughs> bit of insight into your background there. Yeah, of course, of course. I actually deployed in several capacities. While I was active duty, I did deploy to Afghanistan, um, fighting the Taliban there that did house um, Osama bin Laden and, you know, enabled him to attack our homeland here um, during 9-11. So that was a great deployment in support of coalition forces to really target that effort. And um, as a defense contractor, I did support um, some very interesting groups of people and special operations. So that was absolutely fantastic. I was overseas for a couple of years at that point. And then um, still, you know, working in intelligence operations. And then um, as a government civilian, I did support um, the NSA. So I was at Fort Meade, um, Maryland. And, you know, contrary to what people might believe we did, we really did, you know, that part of the government, especially the operators, the analysts, they're really good people. We are all DOD. We love this country. We do support the Constitution and national security, and there's a ton of conservatives that are quiet in that community. So just putting that out there. So I, I don't doubt either. that. I, I don't doubt that. What, why do you think there are so few who are vocal, though? Because it seems like uh, is the left has this great benefit that they feel unencumbered about speaking their minds, even if it was seen as uncouth previously. And then now we on the right, we do try to stay professional first and, and we try to be good at our jobs and serve our country first and then be you know, the, 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 be political second. I don't know if that's working for us now. It feels like yeah. that's maybe that's, that is no longer something that is effective in terms of a strategy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, on the, on the right, especially with conservative opinions and values. I mean, you have values, right? You have principles, you have morals and you have accountability. So more of that leads people to serve, to do their job, to be accountable and, le and to be less, ideological about things so on the left you have this ideologue mentality where you have to impose everything on people so that's why they're kind of more um irrational in that sense but really you know coming back to the right i really do see the true ethos of the quiet professional go to work do your job what real true american values are about and so that doesn't lend itself to hopping on the media berating um strangers for no reason um you know, rioting, that that is completely on the left for a reason, and that's because we're not ideologues on the right. We are practical, good, hardworking Americans at all levels, and, you know, it's true bread-and-butter values. You know, you're talking about lowering taxes, keeping our nation safe, keeping our values intact, so that's why we have that on the right. Uh, Amal Torres is with me, Republican candidate for Congress in Maryland. I want to get your take on a lot of the 
crucial issues, and we'll, we can stick with some overseas foreign policy issues to start. I want to get your take on China. Uh, in this this audience knows well that I regard China as probably our number one geopolitical foe by a mile. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I want to run. Uh, I want to run your policy perspective on China. Uh, I want you to run it by the audience. Absolutely. Um, China has been underestimated vastly, and we have been completely taken advantage of by China in so many ways. There's actually a a piece of writing that two Chinese colonels that are now senior members of um, the the communist the CCP that they wrote it's called unrestricted warfare so China has been ra- ra- waging this massive multi-prong multifaceted form of war against the U.S. for now several decades and it's not going to end anytime soon so that China really sees itself as a dynasty it looks at the world very differently than we do they see the world in hundreds of years and dynasties whereas we kind of look at it from four-year administration to four-year administration so they really take advantage of our lack of cohesiveness and sure. our inviting and, you know, a republic will lend itself to that. You know, individual liberties will lend itself to that. Over there, that doesn't exist, so they can be a little bit more uniform in the way they treat the world and, you know, present themselves in the world. So China has been waging not only just economic warfare. They've been taking advantage of our laws, international laws. They're coming for our hegemony. They want to take over the world again. They do. They know they can't beat us conventionally. They saw what we did in um the original Gulf War, they know our military prowess, our cultural influences are can't be matched. So they try to bring us down to their level by sowing chaos via um, cyber warfare. So you're looking at TikTok being used as a weapon to really tear at the fabric of our society. Um, yeah, so China is, you know, I really appreciated President Trump, um, President Trump's uh, stance and toughness on China. And President Biden, honestly, has just weakened us and broken our backbone. They don't even have to work hard anymore. We're doing the work under this administration for China, tearing ourselves up from the inside. And that's something that needs to be addressed. Uh, You're an immigrant. You've benefited from uh, immigration to our country. But I want your overall take. Let's take legal immigration and illegal immigration. What do you think of the current system and what can be done to improve it? Oh, my God. The the current system is broken. And, And I'm saying this as someone who is a very fortunate, lucky immigrant. So I support legal immigration. And I think our stances and our policies against illegal immigration need to be strengthened. Um, just like your home, you would want your door shut, you would want it secured, but it doesn't mean it's shut forever. You can let in people that you vet, that you want in your home. And this country is our home. And when we immigrated here, it wasn't everybody that immigrated here. It was just women and children that were impacted by the Civil War that were here to assimilate. My family is here. They're working hard. They're contributing to the economy and we're all law-abiding citizens. And we were very by the system. So I think that, you know, standards should apply to everybody. I mean, when you come to this country, there should be this agreement that, hey, when you come here, you are welcome here. Do your part. Contribute to the way of American um, culture. You know, abide by the Constitution. Be a good person. And if those standards are met, I don't see anybody who's really opposed to legal and productive immigration. Uh, how so about I the border? The border. Sure. Yeah. And, and our, our our border is clearly a, a problem. Uh, do you have a take on the policy of Alejandro Mayorkas, who seems to be very happy that Remain in Mexico is going to go away? Uh, and it seems like he has done his part to keep the border as open as possible. What do you think should be done? Uh, do you think he should be on the the the, uh, the do you think impeachment's off the table? Give me your take. 
So a porous border is actually a direct threat to national security, and that's something that's just not spoken about enough. We've turned it into a culture war. We've turned it into this sure. idea that not letting people in here willy-nilly is you know, a stance against humanity. It's not. Um, and I'm saying this from somebody with the you know, Department of Defense background. Enemies are watching our border. They know how porous it is. They're, they would love the opportunity to continue having that open and free access to the United States. I mean, how do you think fentanyl is flowing in here? That's the second opium war that China has been waging on us. So absolutely that physical security component is important. I believe that the remain in Mexico policy should absolutely not be off the table. Um, I don't understand why the vetting process, you know, is you know being attacked for whatever reason. I understand there's people in need, but really our country needs to it needs to be a mutually beneficial agreement there's no reason to martyr our nation for other people's problem and plus um mexico is is very complicit in making sure that they let all of the bad people they don't want from south of their border in through our border so this is not necessarily you know um we're not equal partners here in this immigration problem that's on our southern border uh, amen to that. And it certainly is one where we forgot, not to mention, we just came out of a pandemic where the border is supposed to help us protect ourselves from uh, disease flowing over the border. Another one that's kind of gone by the wayside. Um, yeah. Do you think China has been adequately held account, held to account for the coronavirus? Absolutely not. No. And they keep slipping through. I mean, China just kind of, you know, brings makes the problem our problem. They don't answer the questions. Um, there's absolutely zero transparency of what's happening in China. And that's because they're a communist regime. They don't need to have um, transparency. And nobody's asking them to be transparent. And I don't know if it's malicious intent on Biden administration's behalf or um, the global leaders or if they're just absolutely inept. But no, there's been no answers from China as to what happened and why it happened. And we deserve that clarity, but we need strong people in positions of influence that can get those answers and hold them accountable and know what they're really up to. Yeah, certainly. And it does seem like there is a distinct lack of interest in that. Again, Amal Torres is with me running for Congress in Maryland. Very interesting perspective on the issues here. One issue that you've made, and you've made a pet issue for you, for lack of a better expression, is critical race theory. Uh, tell us why you oppose CRT and what role Congress has in this. Absolutely. Um, the role of Congress is minimizing the executive branch. Critical race theory is being pushed by, you know, DOE down to the ground level where now students in schools are being taught social issues and they're being indoctrinated into believing, you know, in identity politics as opposed to learning what they need to learn and being educated and informed in order to be a part of the global economy. Excuse me. Um, So they're not being educated in the true math, science, and literacy. They're being told, hey, because your skin color is a certain tone, you are less than or you're more inclined to go to prison than the other. And telling white children, hey, because your skin tone, your ancestors looked a certain way, you you have a propensity to be evil, and now you have children way too young to understand concepts. I mean, critical race theory is supposed to be taught at the undergraduate level at the early where you right. have older students that are able to contextualize these very complex concepts into, into this idea that children are malleable. So my question is, is this really to even educate them in the first place? I mean, have the teachers union lost their mind and moved away from educating our, um, our students to, you know, indoctrinating them into believing that they belong into these, um, you know, these, these silos, these echo chambers. So um, it's definitely... From me, from my perspective, um, moving away from this idea that we need to educate our children in order to be productive members of society to becoming a nuisance and 
victims that are paranoid and anxious and prejudiced. And that's unfortunate. And that creates a very severe handicap in our future economy and our stance as a country and as a power player in the world. Yeah, uh, this is right on. And again, it's supposed to be taught at an intellectual level as a theory. And instead, it's being thought of as a as, as something philosophical that needs to be ingrained in our youths. And I think it is designed to poison them against their own country, which is a, a country you've adopted and you like very much. It appears, Amal Torres. Uh, let me ask you about election integrity. This is a tough one. I think all of us sort of agree that there's there's not enough of it. But where do you focus, uh, especially considering there is so much noise on the topic these days? As there should be. Um, elections have become, you know, very un- unfortunately, and I think, you know, it benefits some people to bring that sense of distrust in it because uh, elections are representative of a true and free society um, where someone can go and vote and have a say in their government. And there's a lot of countries, authoritarian dictatorships, that don't like the look of that because they're inviting that idea into their own country. So, um, that, you know, it, it kind of benefits some other people to bring question uh, to bring question into the integrity of our election, and some people do benefit from that. So, what we really need to do as a nation is to bring integrity back into the system, and the way we can do this is by making them free and making them fair, um, easier to vote, and harder to cheat. I don't understand the issue with voter ID. I mean, we were able to um, mandate that the vast majority of our country get vaccinated within the fastest amount of time I've ever seen the government, you know, push to do something. And then now suddenly it's like IDs are racist. I don't understand this. Um, How come communities are able to get vaccinated um, and put this chemical that's been researched in the fastest amount of time into their bodies, but we can't get people IDs. I don't understand. So I'm pro voter ID. I'm pro making it easier to vote. Um, and voter transparency and election transparency and just holding people accountable and making this, you know, pillar of our democracy as apolitical as possible. But it's benefited some people to make it as political as political as possible and making sure that we don't let anomalies like a pandemic impact us to the great extent that it did. Another crucial issue is defund the police, which has seemed to have fallen out of favor recently. Uh, even Joe Biden kind of name checked how we need to fund the police in the State of the Union this year. And then we just saw the San Francisco district attorney getting recalled largely for having a defund the police uh, mentality. I want your take on this and perhaps also the shifting landscape here. Yeah. So um, um, John Sarbanes, who's the incumbent in the seat that I'm running for right now, um, he hasn't done much. But the one thing he has done is he's uh, been a supporter of defunding the police, which was, you know, a great rally cry for um, for the left and, you know, really destabilizing our culture, not realizing that it would come to bite them in the butt because ultimately um, making our country less safe impacts everybody, even their own constituents. So we can see just their foresight really isn't there going back to their um, ideologue tendencies. Um, So absolutely defunding the police is defunding, destabilizing our country. And we should not do that. All families want their children in to have the ability to have a safe community. And um, so I support our uniform members that are here working in the homeland to protect our country, to keep our children in their neighborhood safe. And defunding that is absolutely horrendous. And we can see them right now. They're making a complete U-turn trying to salvage whatever they can to, you know, walk back this horrible idea that our country needs to be less safe because they don't like what, you know, they just don't like things. So they just, you know, um, firebomb the entire concept of a safe country because their feelings were hurt. So um, it's a rash 
policy. It's absolutely ridiculous. They're walking it back so we can see right through it. And they're losing constituents because of it. So here's a great opportunity for us to really flip this house red this year. Uh, One thing that's been a bit of a challenge, I think, sometimes for conservative these days is there has been a bit of a shift from a pure free market approach that was very popular when I was coming of age. I'm in my mid-30s now, uh, just to give you some context. Mm-hmm. And then now I think people are a, a little more skeptical that if the market is in some ways too free, what ends up happening is the biggest corporations on the planet end up sort of usurping uh, power. They end up uh, bending the rules to fit their purposes, and the government's very happy to see them do it. And you get this sort of corporate cronyism, and you don't really ultimately get a free market. Uh, where do you where do you come down on this issue? And uh, would, do you think there is a place for government regulation at all? Or do you see any places where the government is maybe not doing enough, or uh, and where are they doing too much? So, um, no, that's a very good question, and it is a very complex question. Um, when you look at the free market, the free market benefits everybody, but ultimately it's supposed to benefit entrepreneurs and small businesses and make it the land of opportunity so that we all have access to it. And what these corporations have done is they've become so big that they can actually create rules for themselves as opposed to other people, um, as opposed to the market and abiding by market rules because they don't have to buy by market rules. They can just buy out competition. Um So we really need to bring back um, antitrust. I think that is the great market equalizer, Um, So, which kind of enables them to be, to have those checks and balances that still apply to them as opposed to moving around. Um, We can see big tech moving into more from a, um, a market good to a public good. I mean, you have Twitter acting as a public forum and Facebook that's now acting as a data aggregator because it has access to so many people. So, um, just kind of making sure that we we do our best to make sure that the competition is still there in the market. Um, I, I think where we are doing too much is the tariffs. Um, I think higher tariffs are a bigger problem for consumers ultimately. And I think we kind of need to check our relationships with, um, with tariffs while still making sure that um, we are doing our best to grow um, the businesses here in the U.S. and manufacturers here in the U.S. One thing that's been my personal experience is that a lot of immigrants to this country are actually some of our most patriotic people. Uh, I imagine you feel like you fall under that group. Uh, Give me, from your perspective, what is the American dream, and uh, are we losing touch, some of us who take this country for granted? Man, yes, that was a great question, and that actually makes me a little emotional because I am the American dream. You know, um, I am a woman. I come from part of the world where my perceived biological gender is, you know, and as a woman, that's a real woman that, you know, that that's a hindrance to me. I'm lesser of a person. I come here and the only thing holding me back is my will to succeed. That's it. Um, If I want to do something, I can do something. I can do everything. And there's people that don't like it. Maybe that's okay. But I think what people don't see is that that's true freedom right there to be able to do something in the face of somebody not liking it, vice there being um, a true restriction from the government to inhibit who I am for how I look like to um, from succeeding. So that's the real difference. America is a land of opportunity. There's some, there's nothing yet saying that because I'm a woman, because I'm black, because I'm this, that I'm not allowed to do certain things, but 
the left wants to see that world where people are being benefited or hindered because of their race. So they're trying to move us back to a world where, you know, they want to rewrite history in their own name, where, you know, where they want to bring back the world of prejudice and division, but this time in a way that they want to see it happen. And that's not okay. That is a true threat to the land of opportunity, the land of uh, equality and you know, pick yourself up, you know, find some bootstraps. I wasn't given bootstraps as they like, you know, they'd like to talk about, but I went and I found some and I was able to pick myself up by them and bring my family up. And we went from desolate poverty to now a family of entrepreneurs and I'm running for Congress. And that's unheard of in many parts of the world. I mean, just up North in Canada, we don't even, they don't even have true freedom of speech and we have that here. So it's, there's so much things that we need to contextualize and, Maybe some Americans need to go and see the rest of the world and realize that we have a great thing here and it can be lost in the blink of an eye. And we really Absolutely. need to be careful. Amal Torres, Republican candidate for Congress in Maryland's 3rd District. Somali immigrant, U.S. Air Force veteran, AmalforCongress.com and amal for congress with the number four on social media. Amal, uh, really a pleasure to speak with you. Best of luck the rest of the way and we'll check back in with you soon. Thank you so much, Alex. Thanks for having me. I got American parts. I got American faith. Thanks to producers Haley and Greg Evan for putting together the podcast and Robert Marlowe for helping me pick topics. And we'll speak to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. I got stars in my